going to put Steve back to work and bring him up here to read scripture in just a second. He's going to continue reading scripture about Peter, whom we're looking at through this uh, latter part of the summer. And as we are talking about Peter, just a couple things to remind you. Peter is the second most uh, revealed uh, primary and center stage person in all the New Testament next to Jesus. Uh, of all the disciples, he gets mentioned 200 times, the rest 50. Peter is the one who helps us, as he understands and grows as an awareness, to know who Jesus is. It was not an easy discovery for Peter, and it was one that took him to some places that were pretty terrifying. And every time he seemed to take two steps forward, he took three back. Do you know what that feels like? Peter, for us, is critical for us to understand, not only because he's so central to the New Testament, but because I also believe his story, his experience, his drawing closer to Jesus parallels an awful lot that we can take as real in our own life as well. So I'm going to invite you to listen to Steve as he shares with us this next installment of the life of Peter and Jesus. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, where he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Thank you, Steve. Would you join with me in a spirit of prayer? Holy and mighty God, who comes to us in moments where we are least expected and offers to us so often what we are oblivious to know how to receive. I ask that you would come to us now. Not that you're waiting for our command, but rather for us to be willing to open up our hearts and minds to receive the presence of your grace and love that is already here and to receive what you've already prepared. 
and the words and the songs and the prayers and all that we do in this moment, Lord, we pray that it is you that we receive and you that we will take away. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Do you have a time of day or night when you are more likely to be afraid? For me, apart from those moments when something happens and it draws my fears out of me, for me, it's toward evening, later evening, when my mind begins to move towards those things that I'm anxious about. And I worry about those things, and I fret over those things, and I internalize those things, and then I try to go to sleep, and then inevitably, almost assuredly, 5 a.m. Any others ever been awake at 5 a.m.? I don't know what it is about that time. I, I actually began in my life to realize that that was such a consistency that for me I realized that that could not just be my own anxiety arising. It had to be the stirring of God. So for me, at 5 a.m., if I'm stirred awake out of anxiety or concerns or fears, for me that's a call to pray. Because surely God must be near, even when I'm not sure that's true. Well, 5 a.m. seems to be a time, that early morning hour, when you're not quite done resting, but sort of moving towards waking, and everything's sort of fuzzy when you wake up. It's that kind of time for Peter and the disciples. They're crossing the Sea of Galilee, and a great storm comes up, and if you've ever been out on Lake Erie, which is a shallow lake, much like where the disciples were, it doesn't take much of a storm to get things rocking. And if it's a good storm, things can rock pretty hard. The winds can come off from the east very hard, and when they do, you get a lot of pitch. And obviously on this night, the storms are pretty strong, the waves are pretty hard, and things were pretty terrifying. These seasoned fishermen who spent their entire lives out on the water in the boat were terrified. Think about that. They weren't casual recreational boaters. Their livelihood depended on being on the water every day, and in this storm they became scared. It's dark. So it's even more terrifying. And as this storm rages around them, as their fears get to the height of what they're willing to reveal to each other, they look out and they see coming across the water a figure. Now the fact that this figure is walking on the water adds to the level of anxiety. Can you understand that? And in the midst of their fear, they call out the only thing that their fear will allow them to recognize, and that is, look, there's a ghost. Fear just shoots all the way up. 
Except as soon as they say it's a ghost, there's this voice from the figure that comes and says, do not be afraid, it is I. Now notice he doesn't even say a name. Why? Because it's a voice they knew. You know, there are voices that you know, that you don't have to be told who it is. There are folks who call you on the phone. They do not need to self-identify, right? They knew the voice of Jesus. It is I. Jesus is walking out on the water towards the disciples and offering to them his very presence. But fear has a way of keeping our eyes closed and our hearts frozen. Fear has a way of helping us escalate how we see reality and close ourselves off to others. You would think the disciples, after all this time knowing Jesus was coming towards them in the midst of their anxiety, would have calmed them. But fear has taken over. I mean, it has got hold of them. So much so that even though they hear Jesus' voice, you can tell their fear has not gone away. And how do you know? Because Peter says this, Lord, if it is you, He's not trusting the fact that he just heard that voice. He's not trusting what on any other given day he would have known who it was. If it is you. And here's the second way you know that fear has taken over. Now you know Peter. Peter always took it two levels too far, right? Peter always just jumped way ahead and asked the impossible, the ridiculous, proclaimed the things that he could not back up. If it is you, not, well, get closer so we can see you. If it is you, tell us something about us that you, only you would know. Not that, no. Peter says, if it is you, let me come out of the boat and stand on the water with you. Peter, 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 Peter. You don't ask to be able to get out of the boat on Lake Erie when the storm is rocking. What are you thinking? I can almost see Jesus going, oh, Peter. Sure, come on out. (laughs) What Jesus is doing is not simply acquiescing to Peter's outrageous demands. Rather, what Jesus is doing is inviting Peter to step out away from his fear. While he's in the boat, he's afraid it's going to sink. So get out of the boat. Get away from your fear. Come on out where I am, where you know if you're out with me, you aren't worried about a sinking boat. Come on out of your fear. Peter does it. And for a few steps, it's going along pretty well. But I'm here to tell you, at least in my experience, the power of fear It's hard to shake. Even if you get away from it for a while, even if you're distracted from it for a while, unless you fully address what's causing your fear, it will come back and grab you. We've got an Alzheimer's workshop coming up, and I tell you that all the years that I've spent with families and individuals who are dealing with Alzheimer's, there's this thing that I watch happen, this person, this vibrant, lively, lovely person, who has Alzheimer's can begin, not always, not all, but some, begin to close themselves off. I call it putting the veil around them. 
where they can't see what's real in front of them. It's a terrible thing to watch. But you don't have to have Alzheimer's to have that kind of fear. Any of us, when we have fear that has a grip on us, whatever it is that we are afraid of, can be, immediately begins not to see things as they are, but rather as we're afraid they will be. Fear closes ourselves off from seeing possibilities. All we can see is the storm. All we can see is the terror that's keeping us up at 5 a.m. That's what fear does. Peter's walking out on the water. At first it's okay because he can sort of get distracted by the fact that he's cruising on the water. But inevitably, he begins to see the waves and he begins to sink. Because fear has to be defeated only by faith. Faith is what allows us, in the midst of the storm, to see what is still possible to do. For those who are in specialty life like uh, uh, professions, like policemen and military and first responders of all kinds, get trained over and over again. So as they go into the most shocking of situations, their training tells them to continue to look for the possibilities, not to turn away from fear. For disciples of Jesus Christ, it's the same thing. How do you continue to grow your faith so you're looking for the possibilities rather than seeing the fear? Well, Peter didn't have that skill yet, and so he begins to sink. And Jesus always merciful, always compassionate, just reaches over and grabs Peter. Now you can say he held him up by the hand. I prefer he picked him up by the neck, but your picture can be your picture. And he plops him back in the boat. And then it says, I think this is interesting, that the others in the boat worshipped Jesus. It does not say that Peter worshiped Jesus. I'm thinking Peter's still terrified at the bottom of the boat. But this is the story that we're talking about today. And it's in such contrast to Jesus calling Peter the rock of his church. He's not looking much like a rock today. He's not even looking like a pebble you can skip above the waves. But see, Peter only became the rock of the church because he was formed in the way all rocks are formed. They get heated and melted and eventually come together. Most of Peter's discipleship was that heating up and overreacting, that boiling point, and so finally he became solid. The other thing you need to know about this story What happened right before it? In all three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John, where this story is recorded, all three of them do exactly the same thing. This story occurs right after Jesus has fed 5,000 people with basically a McDonald's McFish sandwich. 5,000 people. They watched him do it. Just watched him do it. I mean, like coming in from the parking lot, they just watched him do it. And now, in the middle of the water, they're afraid that this guy who can feed 5,000 people with a small fish sandwich 
can't save them. That's why Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, what the heck's wrong with you? Can't you see that? How long is it going to take for you guys to understand there's nothing here that you need to be afraid of? So at five in the morning or three in the afternoon, when we are anxious and we are afraid, one, we're in great company, Peter was, two, Look around you. Don't look in. Look around you and see what God has been doing, what God is doing, what you've missed. As we come into worship today, I recognize the fact that for a long time, let me see if this shocks you as much as it shocked me when I was reminded of it this this past week. December 4th, of 2016 we broke ground on construction a 14 month construction that math doesn't add up but it's all true and now as we come out of the construction mode we look around and we might begin to think, oh, good, we've got that out of the way. We're done, almost. We're, you know, I mean, we're right. You know, there's a punch list. I'll talk to you about that later. That's what keeps me up at five in the morning. Listen, there's a tendency for us to slip into this time where we think, okay, good, then we can kick back and relax. Or we can think that the task before the church is still way too large. We can have construction fatigue. We can have fear about how far can we go in this. And that's when I heard this story when Jesus said, Oh, you of little faith, would you look around? What are you talking about? Look around you. Look around at what God has done through you and with you since December 4th of 2016. Is it not anything less than a miracle? And do you think that Jesus gave us this miracle so we could get out in the middle of the water and just keep thinking back about this miracle that has happened? Or is it possible that Jesus has brought us to this place for the real miracles to begin? To start really building the church, not the building. This September, I've said countless times to leadership and staff, is the most unique September in the history of this church since 1960. This September comes around the life of a congregation about once every generation. When you offer new space to new people for the sake of Jesus Christ, we cannot miss this opportunity. And you need to understand God is already at work doing things you and I cannot even see. So my dear friends, in this story, it seems to me we are the ones who have the opportunity today to turn around and worship God 
for the amazing things that God has done in our midst, for the amazing things that Jesus is doing in the lives of the people who's coming to us, and that this is the opportunity for us, like those in the boat, to really begin from the depth of our being, to begin to worship this amazing God and to surrender ourselves entirely to where this Lord is going to take us. Amen? Oh, you guys are asleep still. You don't, you don't understand. I'm not talking about, oh, this is going to be a really cool year. I'm talking about lives that could not be reached before, that now we have the potential to reach in the name of Jesus Christ And it's up for us now to stand as strong and as faithful in our prayer life as possible to allow this to be turned over entirely for the purpose of salvation and hope in the lives and individuals of people in this greater community. That is what we're called to do. Amen? Amen. It begins now. It begins right here. Peter had to quit looking at the waves and thinking he had arrived and thinking that he had gone far enough and he needed to begin to pray He needed to begin to worship, and he needed to begin to keep his eyes on Jesus. Now, I know that he was praying in the waves as he was sinking. I get that. But it was time for him to start praying affirmation, adoration, and preparation for the ministry that was to come. It was time for him to begin to sit around and let his own heart and mind grow closer to the Lord who just yanked him out of the boat, I mean, out of the water and put him in the boat. It was time for him to begin to worship. He wasn't ready yet. But he got there. And next week we're going to talk about that. What have you been afraid of? What holds you back? What have you been holding on to? It's time just to let it go. And quit letting fear be your God. It's time for us to begin to surrender ourselves to the power of this Jesus who comes to us and invites us to come out away from our fear, out away from our minimalist lives, and to live full, abundant lives to the glory of God. The 11 o'clock service today, we're going to receive new members because they believe that God has brought them here and made a difference in their life just like you know there will be more and we need to get ready for them but more amazing than that in a few minutes Megan and I are going to invite you to come up and actually be physically in the presence of Jesus Christ it's communion Sunday and as you come forward don't let anything one keep you from coming forward because this meal is for everybody Jesus did not say, I'm going to feed 5,000, but you three can't come in. Everybody was welcome at that table, and everyone's welcome at this table. Come on in. And today, I believe in full faith, when you receive the body and blood of Christ, you receive the body and blood of Christ. You receive the presence of Jesus. Folks, you're walking out of here today with the presence of Jesus. What in the world are you going to be afraid of? The storm subsided and they kept going. 
and the boat that was terrified became a worship boat. And they kept going with Jesus to the next part of the journey. May it be true for us today, too. Worship. Come and receive. And then allow God to take you out of here today, out of your boat of fear, to be strong and faithful in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to so many who need it in a world that's wanting to lock everybody into cells of fear. We have the chance to do emancipation. So my brothers and sisters, I invite you to join with me in this great ministry and celebrating the miracles that God has given and giving appreciation and thanks to everyone seated around you who's been on this journey with you, who's been rowing and putting the sails up and holding on to the edge of the boat with you. Give thanks and appreciation to everyone in this place. And let us worship together in truth and power and in the presence of Christ that when we walk out, you're the ones who go to those who are afraid and offer to them in the name of Jesus this simple invitation. Do not be afraid ever again. Amen.